0: Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and Hardison and Cochrane Attorneys at Law. Hardison and Cochrane does not accept new clients without first obtaining a signed agreement. The information shared in this podcast is for information purposes and should not be intended or taken as legal advice as to yours or anyone else's legal matter. If you have a legal matter, contact an attorney about your specific set of circumstances. Welcome to the Hardison Cochrane Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Campbell. On today's show, we'll be airing an interview with Ben Cochran on the topic that a lot of our clients ask us about. That topic is surveillance after being injured on the job. Now, when you hear that word surveillance, you're probably thinking about an unmarked van across the road from your house. We do cover that, but we also cover something very interesting, which is social media and surveillance. It's a very interesting interview, and we hope you enjoy <music> When people are uh, injured at work, are are, are they being watched by somebody?
1: We often see that when an injured employee is out of work and receiving benefits, the insurance company will hire private investigators to go and observe them for their day-to-day activities. It's not in every single case that we see this, but we have noticed an increase in surveillance footage. Oftentimes what we see is is they choose approximately six to seven days and do a long course of video surveillance. They do this because they need to show that it wasn't just a happenstance, that they caught an injured employee doing a particular activity or potentially even working when they are receiving benefits. So we do find that people are being watched out in the general public and that they are being videotaped by private investigators.
0: Okay, you said um these are private investigators, who hires these private investigators?
1: The private investigators are hired either by the insurance company or by the self-insured employer. Most of the time it's the insurance company. They have contracts with different private investigators that they work with on a extended period or on a routine basis and so what they do is they just contact them they give the address usually what you'll see in the video surveillance is the private investigator shows up they'll video surveillance the house so they can make sure that they have the right address. Then they'll focus on any registered license tags of the vehicle. Then they'll cross-reference that with the Department of Motor Vehicles registration to confirm that they do have the appropriate address and the injured employee. Then they begin surveillance. Surveillance usually goes through an entire 12-hour period. It begins early in the morning and then usually resolves right before dark.
0: What specifically are they trying to catch these people doing? I would assume if they have some kind of restriction where they can't climb a ladder or pick up five pounds of something that they're, they're trying to catch them, do, catch them doing those things. Is that correct?
1: The main point of the video is to obtain footage as to how the individual moves, doing particular activities, where they're going to perform certain activities to see whether or not the information that they are providing to the doctors as to their pain levels their inability to do things is accurate so what they are hoping to do is to obtain footage of the injured employee performing activities to which he has already told the medical provider that he can't do so that they can report this video footage back to the doctor to try and change the restrictions or to show that the injured employee has no credibility with the doctor.
0: I guess the big question with all this, is this legal? Are these people allowed to do this?
1: Anytime that you go out in public and avail yourself to the public, you can be videotaped. So there are no laws against an individual who is moving throughout the public from being videotaped. There are restrictions on Coming onto someone's property, obviously, you can still be trespassing if you're a private investigator, and there are peeping Tom laws which do protect anybody from obtaining video surveillance while they're inside the house.
0: I guess, I guess that kind of answers my next question. I was going to ask if, um, can they even do this? Say you go to church on Sunday, uh, they can do it then?
1: What we see is, I don't know that I have ever seen anybody actually videoed inside a church. Um, but we do see people who are videoed at Walmart, um, food establishments, uh, anything that the public is moving about freely. Um going into closed businesses or closed uh churches, you just see less frequency of it because a lot of folks there know who their church members are and the person that's that's Performing the video surveillance Knows that they'll be out of place Would be my guess And so more likely than not You're not going to see something In a in a, uh, a restricted type of community environment But for those places that are open up um, Where you have the public going in freely To either purchase goods or to eat As I mentioned before Those are going to be fair game to private investigators
0: Okay, a lot of people um, would have the same type of things they're doing online, uh, is social media. Do do these, do these people, um, there's people hired to go look at you physically in, in public. Are there people hired to scour your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, to see if anything's going on there?
1: In litigation, there are forms of discovery that are utilized by opposing counsel, you often are seeing now requests for social media, requests for passwords to access social media accounts so that the opposing counsel for the insurance company can view even the private ongoings of a social media account. So you do have to be mindful that when you post something on social media, even if it's private, in a litigation setting, they have the opportunity to review that information. As to whether or not they actively have people performing searches on social media, we see that the individual adjusters perform this process, and also the paralegals for opposing counsel perform these tasks as well. So you do see that there are folks looking at social media accounts and watching what the injured employee is doing. So when you're taking that into consideration, to be clear, if you're involved in litigation or if you have filed a claim, you do not destroy your social media account. You can't come in and just erase it. That's not something that you ever want to do. But you do have to be conscious of the fact that other people will be watching that information, we'll be able to gain access to it more likely than not whether it be through a judge's order or through other means directed by the court
0: Okay, now now pictures are one thing uh, talking about text posts if somebody, obviously if you're on social media and you got a bunch of friends, you don't want to seem like a sad sack all the time what, what if you put something on there encouraging or, or saying you might be feeling good that day, how, how does that play out uh, seeing that social media is not a place you want to be sad all the time that it's a place, maybe a positive. Could, could it hurt you just saying that, Hey, I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay today.
1: I don't think that, that you really need to be concerned about, um, you know, indicating that you're having a good day or different uh, statements as to to how you're feeling through the social media account. I think what you have to do is just be, conscious of the fact that the information can be viewed by another individual at a later point in time to judge you or how you were feeling or what was going on that day. So as long as you are comfortable with how you felt that day and what you were doing, that day that I don't think that there would be any type of uh, harmful effects um, from acknowledging through social media, what's going on on a day-to-day basis. I think in terms of dealing with your individual circumstances, you do want to be mindful of what you do post on there as to inaccurately demonstrate how you were feeling that day.
0: You don't want to destroy it because they obviously can go get it through uh uh, different means. Now, what about if you were injured at work? Would you would you advise somebody just to shut it down, just quit posting altogether on social media?
1: Obviously, by removing yourself from the social media gives a very simple answer to avoiding risk of social media pitfalls. So, I think that it is a advisable situation to not demonstrate. Uh, or position yourself in the public through social media when you are concerned that there are people who are working against your interests and using information against you. Certainly, I think that there are arguments to be made that, that you should just... You know, wait until things are, are are resolved in order to go forward. But I think once again, when you come down to it, you just don't want to put your information out there that would affect how anybody could later view your circumstances as it relates to how you're injured.
0: Okay, let's do a hypothetical here. What what if you're in your yard and your kids are playing, and you're sitting around, and you are hurt, and you are receiving benefits, uh, workers' comp benefits, and you just Notice a van across the street, and he's obviously uh somebody's obviously sitting there recording or or snapping pictures. Is there anything you can do, or do you have to just sit there and take it
1: One thing that that i that I think that you can do um is essentially you can walk over and try and approach them more likely than not they're going to leave. Most states do not allow the private investigator to communicate with the subject, and then allow that testimony to be entered into court. So the surveillance has to be done from afar. You cannot communicate with the injured victim and then get the evidence into court most times. So they're usually going to leave when they believe that they have been identified. Then another thing that is very common that I tell folks to do is just simply call the sheriff's department. And you indicate to the sheriff's department that there is a vehicle that does not belong in the neighborhood. It is parked or positioned in a place to where it appears like they are watching your family and that you would like the, uh, the subject to be approached. And then when the sheriff comes, they pretty much get skedaddle out of there, too.
0: Once again, that was Ben Cochran on surveillance and workers' compensation claims. And we appreciate Ben taking the time out of his day to do that interview. One quick show note, Hardison & Cochran is proud to be serving as a sponsor in the 11th Annual National Fallen Firefighters Foundation Golf Tournament in Fuquay, Verena. It will be taking place on June 19th at Bent Winds Country Club. The National Fallen Firefighters Foundation honors fallen firefighters, they provide resources for the f- surviving family, and they also work with the firefighting community to prevent death and injuries. It's a great cause, and if you want to check it out, go to firehero.org, or you can also just go to Google, type in N-F-F-F-F, and it'll be the first three or four results you see that come up. Now, if you ever have any questions or comments, you can always go to lawyernc.com slash podcast and enter them there. If you want to call and talk to one of our attorneys, we have some very easy to remember phone numbers in Raleigh, in Durham, in the Triangle area, it's 919-444-4444. In the Triad, Greensboro, Winston-Salem area, it is 336, all sevens. And in Wilmington and Fayetteville area, it is 910, all threes. If you're calling from somewhere else in North Carolina, uh, it's 1-800-600-7969.